If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Romans chapter 3. We're going to go to Romans chapter 3. We didn't finish 2, really, uh, last week. I mean, we did because we started, if you remember, in the last two verses so that we could understand all of it. And uh, we, we covered the idea of Romans chapter 2, so we're going to jump over to, to 3 tonight. Um, and um, I'm, I'm excited about this marvelous chapter. Are you ready? Yeah. What advantage yeah. then has the Jew? Or of what, or what profit, I'm sorry, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way. Chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. Let me remind all of us here today that we are, we came into this family of God because of the Jews. All right. Remember, the gospel is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And it was Jewish men who wrote the scriptures. All right. That Bible in your hand was written by Jews. And we uh, need to remember that and keep the proper perspective and keep our love and honor and admiration for Israel where it is. Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be in this thing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Amen. Tribe of Judah over here. Right, Judah? Yeah, okay. I want you to take your Bible and quickly run over to 2 Peter, all right? We'll come back to Romans 3, but I want you to see this for a moment. This is a marvelous piece of Scripture. And I'm going to be going over to what my dad calls the real version of the Bible, the King James Version. He says everything else is the Toys R Us version. But, you know, he makes kind of a good point. I, you know, I like the new King James Version, but he makes kind of a good point. Anybody ever read the Declaration of Independence here? Hmm? You ever, did you find it was difficult to understand a lot of it? Because, the, because of the change in our lingo today and the change of words, I read it and it's like, I'm glad they knew what they were talking about. <laughs> it's, it's hard to understand a lot of it because of the way it was written, because of the language of that time. Let me ask you something. Would any of you appreciate if they would just go ahead and, and, and update that document so we could all understand it and do away with the old one? Hmm? No, we don't want them touching the Constitution, right? We don't want, no, no, no. I don't, whether I understand it or not, it doesn't matter. You leave that sacred document alone, all right? All right so this is my dad's argument. But we don't have any problem at all just, just inter, interpreting and putting whatever translation to the Bible we want to. Anyway, so that's from Dr. Holler to you. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now what Peter is talking about is when he and James and John got to have a very special experience with Jesus. The other disciples didn't get to have this. He took them up on a mountain, and the Scripture says that he was transfigured before them, and they saw him in his glory, and they also saw Moses and Elijah appeared there with Jesus, and they were talking. And, then, uh, so, and, and at, when that happened, Peter said, oh, we got to do something. we gotta, we got to do something for this moment. This is miraculous. We, get, we need to build T- churches. We need to build three churches, one for each of you, and it will just stay up here on the mountain. Would that be good? And then this voice boomed out of the sky and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. In other words, shut up, Peter. All right? 
hear him. Now watch this. Look, look what he said. This is Peter talking about that, that experience. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Verse 19, but we, are, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. The New King James says, we and so we have the prophetic word confirmed. The King James Version says it just a lot better, I think, that we have a more sure word of prophecy. Now think about this. Think about what Peter's telling us. This voice boomed from heaven, this is my beloved son. And Peter said, but we have something more sure than that. Wow. Now, I, when I was growing up, and I don't know if it's so much in the church today, I don't hear about it like I used to, but I can remember people always talking about wanting to hear the audible voice of God. I want to hear the audible voice of God. Or, I, or I'd hear people say they did hear the audible voice of God, and I always thought, how interesting that was that they heard his audible voice. They heard him speak just like I'm speaking to you today. You know, and that seemed to be like a desire of people at that time. I'm not too sure I want that. I think it would scare the daylights out of me for one thing. If all of a sudden just, hey, Eric, it's God. <laughs> okay, just give me that Bible, sir. <laughs> I can't handle this. And the reason Peter's teaching us this is because God is not the only one with a voice. We all have voices. The devil has a voice. Remember, he spoke to Eve. He spoke to Jesus. He has a voice. So we cannot live our Christian experience by listening to voices. I hear voices. We have to judge everything in light of the more sure word called the Scriptures. This is our truth. This is, this is the standard. This is what God has put in our hands so that whatever voices we hear, we put them in light of the Scripture, and then we determine from Scripture if those things be accurate or not. All right? Thank God for this Scripture. Thank God for We have, he says, a more sure word of prophecy, more sure than a voice crying from heaven to us. It's incredible. Where until you do well that you take heed as... Unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, these were not conjured up by men's will. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So what this says is the words of the scriptures were breathed from God to these holy men appointed to write, and they wrote those words down. This is an extraordinary thing. These words are the truth. The scripture is all inspired, the scripture says. All of it is inspired by God. All right? So God revealed his word to Jews, and they wrote these things down for our benefit. So like I said, remember the gospel is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that, that's why I wanted us to understand how important it was uh, that we need to remember that Jews are the ones who wrote this down. That's why they, it's to their advantage because God revealed these truths to them. It was revealed to them first. All right, let's go to verse, where are we? Verse 3 of Romans 3. Back to Romans. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may be overcome 
when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, and Paul's making a case here, if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not, for then how will God judge the world? All right? So Paul's not saying that God is judging the world. He's talking about a day when God will judge the world. All right? Right now, the world is judged reconciled. Remember, 2 Corinthians 5 says that God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, God sees the world as reconciled. He believes in the sacrifices of, the sacrifice of his son, that he took away the sins of the world, praise God, and the whole world has the opportunity, if, well, men will receive the benefits of that redemption, that salvation, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God sees us. He's not looking at all the sin in the world. That's not happening. That's not what he sees. He sees a reconciled world. Now, his son, however, we've talked about this, Jesus, who's seated in his blood right now for our, for our benefit, obviously his blood is speaking for us, and he's making intercession for us, but there will come a day when Jesus will stand up off of that mercy seat, and he himself then will pour out wrath on all those who rejected his sacrifice, all right? The, the, it's, and the scripture calls it the wrath of the lamb, all right? It's Jesus is, is somewhat storing up wrath, not using it against us at this, at this time, thank God. And you'll never be inflicted with that wrath. You'll, you'll never even incur that. Yeah. Amen. Because you're in him. And if he judges you, he's judging himself. Yeah. He won't do that, yeah. all right? He's judged you righteous. You're just like Jesus. Hallelujah. So the scripture says we can have boldness in the day of judgment. We're bold because he is there. He is in us and we are in him. Amen. So he's talking about that final day, though, when when Jesus himself. uh, Now, verse seven, for if the truth of God has been increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported. Now, this Paul's now bringing him uh, to this point. He's not saying that he is lying. He's saying they're saying he's lying. All right? And uh, as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we, that, that we say, their condemnation is just. Interesting. So, I mean, this is still going on today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Paul preached, by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And that message right there is what caused such hatred against him. It's what caused them to accuse him of all kinds of, all kind, they, they, they lied, they, they, they made up stories about it. Tried to kill him several times. And, and because they could not get over that you don't perform for God, you don't do good to get good, and you don't do bad to get, that, that system of law was no longer relevant. And Paul was preaching, who did live by the law and who practiced the law, even while he was preaching this to the Gentiles. That by grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's still, but like I said, it's still going on. Paul never condoned sin, ever. Ever. He never condoned it, never said, uh, I mean, he, what he did was preach the gospel. Right? That's what he said over and over. And the righteousness that the gospel revealed was in direct contrast to the righteousness of the law. There were were no works required for it. It was simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be made righteous. 
Yeah. It's that simple. Amen. To the legalists, though, it sounded like to them, they, all they heard was, you can go do whatever you want to. You can live an unbridled life now. That's what they heard. Is that, is that what Paul was saying? Never. But it's what they heard. And Paul knew how the Jews thought because he were one. And he said, and he said, oh, I, I, I know what your conclusion is. And we'll get a little later on to this in the book of Romans. He'd preach grace so hard and righteousness by faith that he would say, so, should we just keep on sinning so that grace may abound? In other words, I know exactly what you're thinking. In that legalistic mindset, that's what you think. You think I'm preaching that anybody can just go do whatever they want because grace abounds after all. And I, I, I hear preachers today saying those very kinds of things and they, and, they, and they continue to preach the law or they feel like they have to balance grace, right? Like you hear this good news, but then this other shoe drops, right? And then they, 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 they always say things like that. Well, I'm here to preach the whole counsel of God to you. Somebody's got to talk about sin. All these grace preachers are out there just hyper grace saying whatever. Somebody's got to preach the truth. Pardon me, buddy. The scripture says that by Moses came the law, but by Jesus Christ came grace and truth. Truth is on, truth is on yeah. the side of grace, not on the side of the law. All right? It's by grace that you are able to throw off the shackles of sin and not live under its rule any longer. You shall not, it shall not have dominion over you. You're not under law, you're under grace. If I, as your pastor, wanted to give you a license or a, a way to sin, then I would preach the Ten Commandments to you. Because the desires of the flesh are contrary to the things of the Spirit. I mean, come on, how many of you live long enough that when you've heard the words, don't do it, something in you wants to do it? Huh? Paul said the law revived sin, or the law came, sin revived. When I heard the thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, I was like, let's make it happen. The grace of God only makes sense, though, when it's contrasted with the legal requirements and the justice of God. That's how it only makes, so that's why you see Paul drawing this contrast, law and grace, all the time. So that we can really understand grace, we have to understand what those legal requirements were. So that we can understand just how great this salvation is. And Paul says at the end of verse 8, their condemnation is just, meaning their rejection of the gospel and their dependence on their own works will condemn them on the day of judgment. All right, are you ready? Everybody okay out there? Is this too heavy for you? Huh? All right, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. We are all children of Adam. We're all born sinners. Verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Wow, this 
Anybody, no, I'm not getting any amens right now. <laughs> Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. This is life without Jesus. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, we know, verse 19, that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, you ready for this? By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. Keep that law to the nth degree and you'll never find justification. You'll ne it'll never make you righteous. The watch. No flesh will be justified in whose sight? His sight. Oh, you might think you look good. God don't think you look good. Hmm? If you're depending on your good works, if you're depending on the, good, the deeds of the law for righteousness, God says, that's ugly. It's worthless. Yep. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Like Paul said, if, if I didn't hear, don't covet, then I wouldn't even know that it was wrong. You know, it's the tendency of humankind to define our righteousness by what we do. More specifically, many define their righteousness by what they don't do. You know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't dance with the girls that do. <laughs> Being right with God, right with God. Think about that. Christianity, can I remind us tonight, is about Christ, not us. Yes. Amen. Huh? Christianity doesn't exist without Christ. Amen. He is our all in all. Every good thing that has come from God to us came by virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ bringing yes. it to us. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 21. We've got to keep moving. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law. Everybody say apart from the law. See that? The righteousness of God apart from the law. Righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and prophets. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So he's saying before Jesus was manifested to us in the flesh that the law and the prophets talked about this day. They talked about being made righteous by faith. I find that very interesting. And, and virtually all of New Testament theology, ladies and gentlemen, does come from the Old Testament. Paul wasn't preaching 1 Corinthians to people. He wasn't preaching Galatians to me. He wasn't preaching Matthew, Mark. That none of those things have been written. These guys brought the gospel out through the Old Testament. All right? So when we, when we talk about the Old Testament, we're generally speaking of the law of Moses. Uh, the book of Genesis doesn't fit into that category. This is before the law. Uh, the book of Genesis, it, it, I mean, so it's improper really to say that Genesis is in the Old Testament because the Old Testament has everything to do with the law of Moses. Everybody catching that so yeah. far? All right. Uh, like Genesis 15 says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So yeah. you kind of knew that I was going to get around to that, right? 
He always talks about righteous by faith. We hear about Abraham all the time. Always talking about being righteous by Okay, we got it. Do you? You might have it right now. But Friday might look a little different than today. See, we have to stay on this all the time. Otherwise, we're going to slip back into that self-righteous thinking. You have to stay on this that we're made righteous by faith in Christ. It has to be on him. It has to be about him. Because the moment, if, if, if we don't talk about this consistently, if we don't talk about our righteousness that is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we'll find ourselves slipping into doubt and unbelief. And through doubt and unbelief, then we will feel like we need to perform for God in order to please God. It's the sick cycle in the church. Hmm? Because this is not talked about over and over. I can't give you a better message than you are made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hmm? We have to keep coming back to this and keep our focus on the real thing, the substance of our faith. Yes. The substance of all of this word. Remember, faith pleases God. The scripture doesn't say it's virtually impossible to please him without faith. No, it is completely impossible to please God without faith. That's so. I mean, anybody here want to please God? Then I'm going to have to keep talking to you about faith. Yeah. If you're going to live a life that pleases Him, we've got to walk by faith. Yeah. Amen. So God made it this way so that our lives then would be all about His Son. So that you and I would become consumed with Jesus. That He would be he would be the one that we would worship. We'd set our worship on him. We would think Praise about him. God. That we would talk about him until we started acting like him. Because if he, yeah. if he becomes, as Heather was saying, that cornerstone, that daily yeah. awareness, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Wherever I go, the Lord is with me. If that stays with you, if that stays in your heart and in your mind and in your mouth, and you continue to set your mind on it, you can train yourself to be Christ-centered all the time. You just got to yeah. set your mind on it, yeah. set your mouth on it, think about him, all right? And then yeah. you be like him. I mean, you are already like him in the spirit. That's yeah. right. That scripture yeah. says he was joined to the Lord as one spirit with them. But we got to make this body act like it's true. Yeah. Because hmm? yeah. the body don't want to act like that. Right. It does not want to please God. It doesn't want to act like Christ. It doesn't identify with Christ. Because that means it has to, it has to give. To others. It means it has to love others. That means it has to forgive others. Hmm? That means it has to be kind. That means it has to say kind words. That means it needs to be faithful in the job place. That means when everybody else was talking bad about the boss, that it doesn't get to talk bad about the boss. Because here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot really know who you are until you know who he is. Yeah. Amen. Because you are in him. Hallelujah. Yeah. And being like him is being who you really are. Knowing yeah. him is knowing you. Yes. Amen. Hmm. Why is it? 
Why is it that he made us? Why is it the scripture tells us that he made us a new creation? Why is it that God had to make you a new creature? Well, because there was this law that God established. You remember the law? Sowing and what? Reaping. It's law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. Is it still true today? He said, while the earth remains. Hmm? Are we still on planet earth? All right, so sowing and reaping is still, God says, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. All right? So in the, under the influence of sin and of the devil, there were a lot of bad seeds sown. Hmm? And so there was a, there was a harvest <laughs> yet to reap. Not a good one. A harvest of death and destruction. The wages of sin is death. Waiting, looming over us. A pitiful and frightful and terrorizing judgment day. All waiting. Accounts. Hmm. Records. But now, God said, okay, he didn't change the law of sow, sowing and reaping. He did better than that. He changed you. Recreated you. So when the harvest showed up to find you, there was no one to be found. Because now you're in him. And if anyone be in Christ... He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. That's what Paul is saying. Doesn't matter. Jew, Greek, black, white, orange, yellow, green. We all, there is no difference. All of us must Put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to be made righteous. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, most people think that this verse, 23, is what Romans 3 is all about. Because they've heard preachers for years use this verse as an indictment against humanity. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Like that's the pinnacle verse here. Well, it's part of the Romans road. I'm not stepping on any toes here, I hope. In its context, though, he is saying righteousness comes to everybody by faith. Sure, everybody has sinned. Paul's not making that the emphasis. He's just stating the obvious. Everybody has sinned. Everybody's fallen short of the glory of God. Of course they have. He's God. Right? Because look at verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The subject of this whole thing is being made righteous by faith, not about how sinful we are. The same cure works for everybody. That's what he's saying. This is all good news. There's no difference. All of us can be made righteous on all who believe. Hallelujah. This is good news. This isn't bad news. Amen. Verse 25, whom God set forth as a propitiation. There's a very good theological word right there. By his blood through faith, or the King James says, through faith in his blood, 
to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, aren't you glad God has forbearance for us? God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Okay, so as children of God, let me say this to you tonight. As children of God, we don't take our issues to the cross. Take it to the cross! Well, I can't find any scripture on that. I mean, that all sounds good and religious, and if you have the right vibrato, maybe you could talk people into it. But we don't take our issues to the cross. We take our issues to a throne called the throne of grace where we can boldly come to this throne of grace and what? That you may find... Mercy, that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, here's why. Because the blood is no longer on that cross. All right? The blood is really the issue of the whole thing. It's where the issue lies. Blood had to be shed. It wasn't about a... Lots of people were crucified. It wasn't about the... I mean, Jesus could have been beheaded with a guillotine. It, it didn't matter. The fact that his blood was shed is what's really important. Are you hearing me tonight? Yeah. It, it, the cross just happened to be the place where he bled and died. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on, you guys stay with me. Amen. This is about the blood. His blood was shed there. We preach that Jesus died for us on the cross. We preach about what happened on that cross. And the most important thing about it was that he shed his blood. But we take our issues to the throne of grace where Jesus is seated right now at the right hand of the Father, and this is where he is seated in that blood, as I was saying earlier. I mean, if I read the Bible right, I, I think that's true, that he brought that blood sacrifice up to the Father after he died, and he put it on the mercy seat, and then he turned around and he sat down in his own blood. The Scripture says that his vesture is dipped in blood. Wow. So he put his blood on the mercy seat and sat down there. And there, the scripture says, he ever lives to pray for us. So whatever issues you may have today, take them to that throne where the blood is speaking for you right now. Amen? Amen. In his forbearance, he passed over the sins previously committed. He passed over sins so that those men who had sin would not pass away. This is what we're going to be, it's what we've been talking about a little bit in our journey through the Bible. And this Sunday is going to be talked about quite a bit because we're going to be in the book of Leviticus. But the blood of Jesus did so much better than that. Mm. He passed away so that sin would pass away so that we could pass over from death into life. Yeah. Amen. To demonstrate, verse 26, at the present time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see this over and over. It's back to faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus, yeah. faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. In that way, it's excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. So if you could be righteous, made righteous by works, ladies and gentlemen, you've got a lot to brag about. I did my to-do list and my do-not-do list. But faith is the understanding that you cannot save yourself and you are totally trusting Jesus for righteousness. Yeah. Let me say it like this. Faith equals humility. Faith equals humility. Mm -hmm. When you come to the end of yourself and say, 
I can't fix me. I need a Savior. I need Him. You have humbled yourself to believe on Jesus as your Savior. Yeah. All right? Amen. 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Let me remind you again, this is yet another place. And Romans 4, 5 says it even stronger, but right here this teaches us faith without works is righteousness. Faith without works is righteousness. All right? Apart from the works of the law. Verse 29, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? These are very comforting words. Yes, of the Gentiles also. Amen. Come on, somebody needs to say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yes, he's the God of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish it. What a statement in that chapter. On the contrary, we don't make void the law. We establish the law. The second thought here on faith is faith equals holiness. Faith equals holiness. Faith equals humility. And faith equals holiness. By believing God, you establish the law. That is... Faith is meeting all the requirements of the law. Wow. Not just faith, faith in Jesus. Jesus met all the requirements of the law. He fulfilled the law. And then the scripture later says he abolished it. He took it out of the way, according to Colossians. Took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Woo! It was contrary to us. It was against us. And Jesus took it out of the way. He fulfilled it. So that he, see, he then got credited with all of our disobedience of the law. He got credited with all of our breaking of the law, all of our sin, all our disobedience, and we got credited with his full obedience. What an exchange, huh? What a great salvation that God deems you holy and righteous and above reproach and fully obedient because you believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You established the law through faith in him. Amen. That's why we need to keep talking about you're made righteous by faith. You're made righteous by not of works, not by your performance, but by Jesus Christ. You're made, huh? We need him. We have to have him. Otherwise, we're hopeless. He is our hope. He is the anchor of our soul. Amen. The anchor behind that bell. I love that, that, that song. Christ alone. I hope this has blessed you tonight. Been pretty theological tonight. Uh, now, listen, when we get to Romans 4, I I'm, I'm just want to tell you this up front. Romans 4 is my favorite chapter in this entire book, all right? So I'm probably going to be a little bit passionate about it. So anyway, very excited about Romans chapter 4. Thank you all for being here tonight. God bless you. Let's stand together and go out of here with a shout tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that the good news has come to us. This gospel that Christ died for our sins he was buried, and he rose again from the dead the third day. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. Thank you for that good news, that we are justified by faith. Therefore, we have peace with God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's today that our condition is now righteousness, and we stand in grace, and we walk by faith. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that it's not by works. Hallelujah, God, because none of us could do it. None of us could perform well enough. Father, that you did not leave us in that condition of being lost or, or trying our best. Oh, Lord, you recreated us in Christ Jesus. You made old things go away. You made all things new. Hallelujah. And you seated us in heavenly places with our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are heirs of God through him. Every good thing in our life comes from God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that tonight. Jesus, we bless you. Come on, lift your voice. Just bless the name of Jesus tonight. Tell him how grateful and thankful you are. Thank him for his blood that was shed for you. Thank him that he he came and he lived that sinless life and that he brought a new and living way to you, that he opened the door for all who believe to have right access to God, to, to be made right with God, to be in right standing with God, to have a place of eternal hope and glory, to live in heaven with him forever. It's by Jesus who did that. Simply because he loved us. Simply because he did not want God to be without us for eternity. Hallelujah. He took it upon himself to go the full measure. Hallelujah. To shed his blood and eradicate sin forever. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you are our healer. Thank you that you are our savior. You are Lord of our lives. You are our king. Hallelujah. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you tonight. Your name is above every name. No other name under heaven can men call on and be saved, but your name, whoever calls on your name will be saved. Hallelujah. Whoever believes on you will not be put to shame. You are faithful. You are a faithful and, and, and a sympathetic high priest. You know how we feel. You've walked in our shoes. You've walked on this earth. You've seen the trouble in this world and you understand where we're at. Hallelujah. And you are the high priest of our confession and we thank you for that, Lord, that you feel what we feel, Lord, and you bring us up. Hallelujah. You help us. You help us to live life victoriously, knowing whatever challenges we may face, you say, hey, be of good cheer. This world, you got trouble, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Hallelujah. So that we can continue to look up and believe and hope. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are good and you do good. Now I pronounce your blessing now upon your people. The favor of God surrounds them as with a shield. Wherever they go, they're blessed. Everything their hands touch prospers. I think that their bodies thrive in health and wholeness. And every form of sickness, disease, and infirmity is being driven out by the healing power of God. That they are of a sound mind. They have not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, God. I think that you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Your people are ministers, Lord, going out into their world, Lord, their sphere of influence. And I thank you, Lord, that their voice, their voice has influence, Lord, that others look to them, Lord, that they bring hope. They bring that answer, Lord, to those who are so desperately needing to hear this good news. Hallelujah. That they are not hopeless, but God has brought hope to them through the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that all these homes are blessed. Your protection is upon your people. You give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. And I thank you, Lord God, that you bless them throughout the rest of this week, Lord, and you bring us all together Sunday morning, Lord, ready to, to experience you yet again together in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I love you guys very much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. 
Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.